So hey, I, I'm going to just like audible it this morning, and I wasn't planning to do this. I didn't do it in the first service, but I just want to do this real quick, is just kind of, um, if, if there's a place in your life this week, a, a small glimpse of God's love that you've experienced, this is very dangerous to hand a mic out to a big crowd, but uh, if there's just like a place uh, that you just want to give a shout out of, of like... I saw God this week in this moment, and it was kind of a beautiful moment. Um, if, if there's anybody that's willing to share uh, a time this week that you saw God's goodness and love in your life, I'd love to, I'd love to hear from you. Anybody? You don't have to come up here. I'll come to you so you can sit where you're at. Not everybody at once. Put your hands down. I'll come... Just, how about bail me out? There we go. LaFonda. What? DeWanda. I was saying, um, God went over to visit my daughter. And um, even though she's in the place she is in, she still looks so beautiful. And um, we got to pray together at least. And um, she knows she's come closer to God, if anything, out of this. And I thank God for that. Good. So you went and visited her? Yes. Good. Thanks. Yeah, Cade, clap. Sorry for you, those of you that this is awkward. I led youth group for many, many years, and we just would do stuff like this. And I felt like we needed to hear more voices than just mine this morning. Anybody else? Would love to hear like a couple more. Yeah, Cindy. I just met Cindy. Welcome to the river. Thank you. Glad to be here. My mom and I have been coming here for a month now. And yesterday I went and got some tapes of hers from 1970 and had them made into a CD. And it was a very, just a blessed time that we had. We were sitting in my car and listening to the CD, and we were praying, and we were crying, and we were just having this awesome moment. But her dog was at the vet, and she was waiting for a phone call from them to come get her dog after 12 o'clock. 12.15, you know, we didn't even pay attention to it. 12.30 came, 12.45, she's like, well, I I wonder if they're going to call me. I'm like, yeah, they'll call, they'll call. So 1 o'clock came, 1.15 came, we're still sitting there and we're talking and we're, and we're just spending time in, in the Word and, and, and music and just God knew that we needed to spend that time together. Mm-hmm. And when we left at 1.30, 1.35, she got the phone call when we were in our cars and we had done what we had needed to do together. That's when God had, it was in His time, mm-hmm. not in our time. Beautiful. And that's when he decided to let her go back and pick up her dog when we were finished. Beautiful. So I that's felt great. that was just awesome. That yeah, was so that was. Thank you for sharing. I, I feel like my tendency in moments where I'm supposed to just be waiting and like relax and, I mean, you guys literally were worshiping. Like, I want to push. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on. That's a good reminder to me just to kind of receive that moment in your car or wherever you are and um, just to, yeah, that's great. Yeah, his timing's pretty good. Good. Um, anybody else? One more. How about one more? Yes, Mr. Ross Cooper. <laughs> you were going to be a sermon illustration anyways this morning, so. Thank you. Hey, I want to share... Um, are you going to preach? But just because I see you got your I Bible you open. Want. Yeah, you know I do have a Bible. In okay. Um, I had a chance to visit with um, someone who comes here sometimes. He's in jail right now, and uh, I just wanted to share how he experienced God through the youth group. 
uh, youth group um, uh, signed a card that went to him, probably about uh, 15 kids' names. Um, and, and when he was telling me he received that, he's got uh, tears in his eyes knowing people are praying for him and people know that he's there and separated from us. And uh, it was just a really, um, it was a good experience for me to see how God had touched his heart through kids in the River Youth Group that uh, wouldn't recognize him if they saw him and he wouldn't recognize them. And uh, God can use us and use our, group, our youth group in, in really cool ways to be blessings. So Beautiful. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, yay youth group. Was that the middle school or the high school? Middle school. See, middle schoolers, look at you. Ministering to people in prison. So a really beautiful moment. Um, last one, I'm going to like turn around, but if someone that's like, I got to share this story, do it now. Hey, Sandy Cooper, man, it's like... A... Let's see who talks louder, the baby or me. But um, had an experience of a hard experience. We had, I don't know if you saw the email, um, one of the lunch punchers um, was hit by a car and killed a week ago. And I had the neat experience of sharing God's love, even in a painful time, to pray with her mom, to pray with different people, to... Um, just to celebrate that, that young lady knows Jesus, and she's dead physically, but she's probably having a... When I talked to her mom about having a party in heaven, that God had had a party, we knew she was saved, and, I mean, that was just a really all-around picture of God's love, like, at the end of the day, what what really counts? And so that was a neat, um, a neat thing of God's love, just to be able to love her, um, even when the mom is angry. Uh, it was a hit-and-run driver, and there's a lot of anger. And even to say, you know what, maybe someday the Lord will allow you to forgive that driver. And that was just a really cool part of God's love. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Unless you're dying to share... Side of the room, anybody? Okay. If you really feel like a burning need sometime in the message, and it's a part where I'm just going on, just stand up and I'll give you the mic. Um, we want to uh, turn to Matthew 25. You have your Bibles with you. This is a, a very very powerful passage, and uh, in this community, it's one that we have looked at often. I think it's shaped a lot of our, our common life together as a church. This has shaped a lot of our ministry and our vision for what it looks like to live in relationship with each other and with God. And um, probably more than any community, well, I know more than any community that I've been a part of, um, this passage uh, through the river spoken to me has had a, a deep impact on who I've become in my heart. And so you really are, have been the teachers um, for me of this passage, of what this looks like. I mean, you just heard the Coopers talk about, and uh, Dewanda, you know, visiting people um, or acknowledging people while they're in, in prison and people walking alongside others in their grief. And you have done this masterfully. And so I want to just start off by acknowledging the river community, not to worship the river, um, but to thank God for you. Looking out, I mean, 
even at you now. Like I know many of your stories and what you care about. And your heart reflects, I think, the heart of God. And so thank you for the, the amazing teaching that your life is. I almost feel like there's, um, you know, preaching to you about this is like preaching to the choir, right? Because this is something that so many of you are invested in every single day of your life. And this is of deep importance to you. So know that in the spirit of uh, humility, I come with this word from uh, Matthew 25. And in the spirit also of someone who's been taught by most of you, uh, many of you, what it means to live this out. So Matthew 25, starting at verse 31. um, And we'll read the first few verses, and then I'll comment a little bit. And then we'll do the same thing with the next paragraph and so on, okay? So we'll pause a little bit in between. But starting at verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So this is the last teaching that Jesus has with his disciples before he's betrayed, before he's handed over to the authorities, and um, he goes through the process of crucifixion. This is sort of the last instruction that Matthew um, makes note of. And Jesus is setting the scene It's like an apocalyptic scene. The Son of Man is a phrase that you can read in some of the prophets, like Daniel. The Son of Man is this apocalyptic figure. It's an end times messianic character who is the judge of the world. Okay? So what we have is the scene where the world judge is standing before the nations. He's in his throne and all the angels are with him. Jesus is painting this picture of like the end. Okay, when, when everything is said and done, here's the picture. You ever heard somebody say something like, um, you know, someday when I stand before God? You ever heard somebody say that? Someday when I stand before God. This is sort of the scene that they're describing. Right? And the reason Jesus is doing this is he, he wants people and his disciples and his listeners to reflect a minute, to stop and pause and ask the question, what is life really about? That's what this series is, these next, uh, this, this past week and this week and the following week. It's really a, a time for us to reflect about what matters most, what's most important. When it's all said and done, like, what's, what's the end game? What is our life, you know, what are the real things that we ought to count? Is it, should it be a number in an account somewhere that, that we're able to measure what we've accumulated? Should it be a certain number, or, or I'm sorry, letters behind our name that we've strung together over the course of some study? What in the end is really going to matter? This, this was driven home for me years ago. There was a family that was loosely affiliated with this church, and they invited me to step into this situation. Um, there were three boys, 
and the father had recently passed away. And part of um, our role as ministers is sometimes to, to just step in and provide comfort. And so I was just there visiting with the young men who I didn't know very well. Um, I had met one time before in passing and um, was just there as a presence, the ministry of presence. Somebody said this morning uh, there was a book that Steve's dad wrote, Jim Cock, called, what is it, 90% of sharing is, caring is just showing up. How many of you read that book? 90% of caring is just showing up. So it was one of these moments of just showing up. And two of the guys were kind of, um, you know, conversant. They talked. We talked a little bit. And one of, the, one of the guys just didn't say a whole lot. It was the youngest one. He was, was, you know, just very, very quiet. And at the visitation when we got there, um, there was a scene from this visitation that I remember when I saw it, um, just inside, I wept. Uh, because he, he walked over to his casket where his father was. His father was young, um, probably about my age now, in his mid-30s. And he walked over to his, his dad, who was in the casket. And he didn't go up in it, but he sort of reached one hand inside the casket. And with his other one, he began to stroke his father's hair. It's this powerful scene. Of, of this young man, this young boy, looking at his father who's passed away and wondering essentially, like, how am I going to continue? And this moment for me as a dad, as a young dad, was just really powerful because it made me go, whoa, like, what matters? What are my kids going to remember? What's going to be important to them? What things in the end, when it's all said and done, what things count? Are you with me? Are you feeling me? This is what Jesus is teaching his disciples. It's one of these talks. Guys, when the Son of Man comes, the judge, the divine judge appointed by God to separate sheep from the goats. There's a lot of speculation, you know, about the sheep and the goats and why the division and um, but what's plain is that there's a difference between sheep and goats. Some people say, well, you know, it's because the, the, the goats are on the left side, which is the side, by the way, you don't want to be on at judgment, which has no, this is not a commentary on American politics, okay? The right and the left, this has nothing to do, for those of you that are like, that's right, you don't want to be on the left, has nothing to do with American politics. This is all about like ancient practice with your hands, right? Your right hand was your eating hand and your business hand, and this was the, the good hand, and this was like the everything else hand, okay? The, 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 you know, blow your nose with your left hand and the other stuff. So the right hand is this place of, of favor, all right? And so the sheep are on the right and the goats on the left. And I don't think we need to read anything too much more into it other than there's a distinction between the fluffy, you know, nice little sheep and the smelly, hairless goats, okay? So um, in verse 34, let's keep going. And then the king will say to those on his right, these are the sheep, they're in this place that, um, you know, you, that we want to be. Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of of the world. I love the sound of babies, by the way, in a worship service. Thank you for taking your daughter in here. Um, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Notice these sort of six things in the Catholic tradition. Uh, These are called the corporal acts of mercy. They add one more, and that's burying the dead. But these sort of, these actions, these activities um, for Roman Catholics, for Catholics, are um, essential to their practice and their shared life together. Uh, For us this morning, I think it's just worth noting that each of these things is physical activity. It's something that we do. And it's a very, very small thing. How many of you have ever been given um, a meal by somebody else? How many of you ever had parents that made your lunch when you were a kid? How many have ever been thirsty and had somebody give you a drink? Yeah. Um, or needed clothes and you were clothed. Uh, I was this week thinking and reflecting on this, this passage and it was early in the morning. It happened again this morning, but earlier in the week where my son, my one-year-old, woke up pretty early, earlier than I wanted to be awake. And, you know, his demand at that point in the morning is for something to eat. The dude needs his food. And if he doesn't get his food, he just cries. And that could be kind of annoying as a parent. Are you with me, young parents of young people? Yes. This can be kind of challenging. But it was kind of like Jesus almost in this little like juke that he does sometimes on you. is like, bro, like relax. Because when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. So I was looking down at my son and this line came to me, right? I'm like, it's too early, dude, for you to be up having a bottle. And then all of a sudden that line came to me. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. Mother Teresa had this beautiful phrase. She called it Jesus in disguise. Jesus in disguise. And so as I was feeding Simeon, I just uttered this little prayer. Jesus, there you are again in my hands. It's a little bit weird, but there you are again, right? And so um, in the end, in the final analysis, when everything is said and done, it's these small things that count. This is hard in our tradition, let me just say. This is a challenging text in our tradition because we celebrate the love and the mercy and the kindness and the goodness of God and that our role is basically to receive it and respond in gratitude. And I affirm that doctrine and that tradition um, 100%. And yet, Jesus makes no mention of that. He just says there was a need And there was response. There was action that you took when you saw this need. The small things, these little tiny acts of mercy and kindness, turn out to be, in the end, the way that God seems to separate and make distinction between people. Those who who recognized, who saw and responded. And then... Keep reading with me, those who didn't. 
Because the righteous, verse 37, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you? Underline you in your Bible. Look how many times we're going to read this. And feed you. Or thirsty and give you something to drink. When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Right? So they're saying, hey, we saw need, but we had no idea that this was you. And this, I think, is if you get this, friends, if we get this, I think this is a defining mark of a maturing Christian. I think this is a defining mark of somebody who is growing in their faith, is when they recognize God in the other. When they recognize and have the awareness to, re- to see that God is not hidden, he's not in the clouds somewhere, that he's not somewhere far off, but that God comes to us daily. He comes to us in the stranger. God comes to us daily in the hungry. God comes to us daily in the thirsty. God comes to us daily in this incredibly vulnerable state. He comes to us how? As a baby swaddled in clothes, lying in a manger. You don't get any more vulnerable than that. And God comes to us every single day in these subtle ways, in these small ways. And so you have this scene of this world judge who says, I showed up in your life every single day in these really subtle and small ways. And you responded. Now, there's a little bit of surprise, right? They're, they're kind of surprised because they didn't recognize. They responded well, but they still didn't recognize. They, they weren't aware that these little eruptions of goodness, of, of need in their life, were in fact God's way of getting their attention, of showing himself, of revealing himself to them. How many of us this week, let's just do a little exercise like a one-minute exercise. Um, think of a moment this week where you missed the mark, okay? I can think of a moment like, you know, 10 minutes ago where I missed the mark. But think of a moment, a time this week that you can just look back on it and go, oh, man, I missed the mark there. Like, I, I was angry or I was frustrated. Um, I said something that I wish I wouldn't have. I went a little too far. I wish I would have pulled back and like showed a little self-control, a little restraint. Uh, You got something? Raise your hand when you got something high so I can see it. Just a moment. If you don't, ask the people around you to help you think of a moment that you missed the mark this week. You got it? All right. Um, Here's the reality of those moments. The place of our great frustration the place of our, our annoyance. That place is often the place that the king of glory wants to show himself to you. Not that place, God, please, not there. Like, come on. That place is often the place 
what God wants to work in your life, in my life. That place of, of, of need is often the place where he's, he's trying to teach us something. This week, I, um, one of my tendencies can be to, to rush, to move. I move too fast. And a few weeks ago, I prayed for patience. And I'm not going to do that anymore. Because there were so many times where there were things that I... But this week, I, there were five different moments, including this morning on my drive to church, where I ran into this young man who's living on the street. Five different times. We shared a meal together earlier in the week. Um, we stopped and hung out in the parking lot uh, twice this week. This morning, he was near to my home as I was driving uh, here. Stopped and saw him. I just kept thinking, God, what, what is it in my life that you're trying to show me? Jesus, there you are again. And I always read this passage and thought it was about me being the Savior for others. Isn't that how you read this before? When, when we do something, it's like we're Jesus for them. And yet that's not what Jesus says in the passage. It says that he is the one that's revealing himself in the hungry. He is the one in disguise in the ill, in those in prison. It's them who has something to teach us about our own lives, about our own place. And where it's true, I believe, that when we minister in those ways, that God in his love is also released, I think we don't often think about the fact that it's, it's the vulnerable who have something to teach each of us about our own vulnerability and need for God. Are you with me? We, um, I heard somebody say this morning that they are getting ready to train a group from the University of Redlands. This church is phenomenal in this ministry, by the way. Uh, they're going to train a group of people from the University of Redlands um, in this house building uh, in Mexico. It's called Hands of Mercy. If you haven't been on a build, it's an amazing experience. But when we used to go to Mexico... The missionaries down there, Cade used to live down there. And what would you guys always say to us, Cade? When we would come down and think we were the answer, and what would Danny always say to people? Do you remember? He would say, Mexico doesn't what? Blanken. You <laughs> He would, sorry, Cade, but he would say, Mexico doesn't need you. Right? You remember this? Were you listening when Danny was talking? Cade, come on. Cade grew up in, in uh, Mexico on the ranch and would help our groups and was an amazing guide, um, even as a teenager, would, would lead these groups. Um, but Danny used to say to us, hey, you guys, Mexico doesn't need you. God's got all the resources in the world. He doesn't need you to show up and, and try to rescue people. That's his job. But you need Mexico. This is what the missionaries down there used to tell us when we would go down. You think you're here as the answer, but the reality is Mexico is the answer to your materialism, to your dependence on your own ability to provide for yourself. Mexico is a corrective to that thing in you that thinks that you can do it. 
Because you're going to walk in places and meet people as you're here over the next 24 hours that are going to teach you so much about who God is. I know for me as a 17-year-old, when I was sleeping in a hammock, feeling just dreadfully ill, I was in Mexico in high school um, on a, a mission trip, and I thought I was going as the answer, and I remember coming back just feeling like such a rich person, not because of what I had done, but because of the way that I had received love and care and kindness. And people who didn't have any means built us a shower. They didn't have a shower, but they know Americans like to shower. So they built us three walls and stuck a hose over it, and they were like, there's your shower. Like the greatest shower I've ever been in. Because it was from people who had nothing and built us this beautiful, beautiful little you know, place where we could clean because they knew we loved, Americans loved to shower. Oh, I tell you all this because I believe it's in these little vulnerable, subtle ways that God wants to reveal himself to us. Keep reading with me. Verse 40. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. The word there underline this, least of these. Least of these. You see it in verse 40? Underline it in your Bible. That word just means the smallest of things. It's the same word in Luke 16, verse 10, when Jesus is teaching his disciples and he said, um, if, you are faith, if you're faithful in the smallest of things, then God would, will entrust you with more. If you're faithful with the smallest of things, then God will give you more, right? What do we say in business when we're doing um, applications and, and, and when we're trying to see who will be a good fit? The best indicator of future activity is what? past. What did you do in the past? Were you faithful with small things? Because then God says, I can trust you with more. This is what I tell young adults all the time. Don't worry so much about having this massive impact on the world right now. Just be faithful in the small thing that God is putting right in front of you. Jesus says, whatever you did, however you respond to the smallest thing right in front of you is a great indicator of who we are. And so that moment that you had this week, that place, that thing where we we missed the mark, you know, um, the beauty of it is, is God will continue to bring that thing to you. He won't just be like, oh, you missed it. You're done. Sorry. I'm done with you now. He will continue to give you opportunity. He'll continue to give me opportunity to respond in love. He'll give you opportunity to be patient. He'll give you opportunity to exercise kindness. He'll give you opportunity to celebrate goodness. Because it's these small things in our life. It's the small things where God is breaking in. Where the God of of the galaxies is breaking in. If you're sitting right now thinking like, "Um, man, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I always have the picture in my mind of like, you know, just the universes, and that really inspires me. And I'm totally with you. The grandeur and goodness and like massiveness of God is very humbling to me as well. Um, but it, it's powerful to reflect on the small things. It'll change your life, I believe, if you reflect on the small things in your life, the things that are coming to you daily, the people who are coming to you daily, the conversations that you have that you think about later, 
When I was in college, our professor had an assignment for us, and it was to go out into the nature preserve, which is like this, basically a woods, and um, to sit there and to reflect on something small that we saw. And I thought, this is ridiculous, because we should be like reading, or I don't know, I just wasn't very good at sitting, which I know is a shock to many of you. But sitting still and looking at something small was a really hard thing to do. So I sat in this woods and was like looking at a leaf. And this little snake came by. This is true. He came by and stopped. And this part is not true, but I always imagine him like offering me an apple. Like, hey, get behind me, Satan. No, but the snake stopped and like stuck its head up. And it like did this thing with his tongue. You know what snakes do? It was like... Went a little farther, stuck his head up. I'm sitting here like, what am I? What is this? Right? It's a beautiful moment. And I like explored it later. I was like, I think we, yeah, we had the internet in 2001. And um, like, why do snakes do this with their tongue and find out like, well, that's how they smell with their tongue, which is ridiculous. But that's what snakes do with their tongue. And so like this snake came along and was like smelling me. Right? This is a profound experience. This is the beauty and wonder and goodness and glory of this little tiny snake doing its thing. And most of the time, I run right by this. Are you with me? Most of the time, we run right by the crying baby because it's annoying to us. And God's saying like, no, I'm the crying baby, man. You get it? Like, this is where I am erupting in your life. Pay attention. There's a, a, a neat, a, the Beth has put on the marriage retreat. And is that poster up here? Nope. Um, the person who's leading the marriage retreat this year was a pastor at a really big church, okay? So by the standards of kind of like the world, he, I, you would say like he arrived at some level, right? Big church. It was like the biggest church in, I don't know, Colorado or the biggest CRC church in Colorado. And he had kind of like arrived, right? He's like the pinnacle of his ministry and influence and like speak, great speaker. And he, he just kind of felt like there was, God was doing something else in his life, him and his wife. They'd always had this dream to be in the inner city. So um, they the church was very gracious to them and said, you know what, why don't you take some time and, and just try to discern what God's doing in your life. So, so they, they stepped away from kind of that, that ministry and they stepped into um, what they called Jesus on Colfax. And Colfax Avenue is a place in Aurora, Colorado, where there's just like motel life. You know, anybody done the motel life? It's hard. It's a hard life, right? Um, and so... Motel life is happening and everything that comes with that. And he and his wife will just show up on Tuesdays and knock on doors and be like, Jesus on Colfax. And the phrase Jesus on Colfax, initially for them, I think, started as like they were bringing Jesus to Colfax. But Sean, his name is Sean, has this beautiful, um, this beautiful line. And you can listen to it if you're a podcaster on Pastor Tim Spikestra's podcast. It's called Ocean's Ministries Podcast. Just look it up, Ocean's Ministry Podcast. Where Sean says, sitting in a coffee shop one day, God told me, um, I don't need you to bring me here. 
I'm already here. I need you to see me, to open your eyes and recognize where I already am. And so the name Jesus on Colfax kind of took a little bit of a, a turn for him. Instead of thinking that he was bringing Jesus with him, he recognized when he knocked on doors, he was encountering Christ. For you and I to think about what does it look like in our lives? What does it look like in our lives to, to encounter Christ in the small things, the annoyances even, the things that, that can be a place of frustration for us? What does it look like for us to encounter Christ there? Um, some of us in this community have and developed this thing. It's like a fatigue, right? It's just tiring to think about the needs of the world. How many of you are there this morning? It's tiring to think about the needs of the world. We listen to politicians talk about how they're going to fix everything. And you just think to yourself, come on, man. You can't even like... You know what I mean? Get dressed right in the morning or whatever, like, or comb your hair right. Like, how are you going to fix everything? And I think for me, there's this sense that I can be overwhelmed by homelessness. It can be a, an overwhelming need. Addiction can be like this overwhelming thing. Poverty worldwide can be this overwhelming thing. And I think the invitation that God has for us is to just think about the small things right in front of us, the small needs where he's bursting in and inviting us to participate with him. So a couple recommendations for us this morning as a congregation. One, as you think about places that God is inviting you to minister, relax a little bit. Okay, when, you're, when we're super serious about every little thing, that's not the same as, like, as being aware of a need. So first off, relax. Mexico doesn't need you, right? Relax. The homeless don't need you. God is, is on their side. God is on the, um, it's what Richard Rohr calls, he's on the underbelly of our culture. The way up, the way to him is the way down. And so you and I need those places in our lives. So relax a little bit. We're not the answer. Two, um, if you're uncertain, as we're uncertain about where God is inviting us to, to join him, to pray. Pray for discernment. And here's the prayer. God, open my eyes. Help me to see you in the crying baby. Help me to see you in the, the imprisoned. Help me to see you in the friend who's ill. Help me to see you in the person that really just needs someone to sit next to them for a bit. Help me to see you in, in the thing right in front of me, a coworker who has need. Help me to see you. Or, God, help me to receive your love from that person who comes to me. Help me to receive the gift of faithful presence. Uh, Mario Perez has this line. He's our youth pastor. And he'll say, if he offers you something like a piece of chicken and you're not interested, he'll say, don't rob my blessing. The blessing of giving, right? And so sometimes it's about receiving. Sometimes we're the person who's hungry and thirsty. We're the person who's lonely. And we just have to be open to the people God is bringing to us to minister his love and his forgiveness and his kindness to us. Third thing, you don't have to do everything. No one of us is called to do everything, to fix every problem. 
to, to, to be the solution to everything around us. That's exhausting. You don't have to do everything. But each of us can do something, whether that's just to receive the gift of someone's love, whether that's just to share a need that we have in a way that people can be praying for us, ministering to us, or extending forgiveness, extending kindness, offering a cup of cold water. The small things are the big things. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, the things that matter are all those tangible little things that we loved and were loved. It's the small things that God is breaking in. It's the phone calls that someone makes while we're ill. It's the the cup of coffee that someone offers us after a worship service. It's the small things that are the big things. Last little thing for you as you go. Um, There's a checklist. It's right in the passage. Okay, Um, Matthew 25, if you just read verses 37 through 39. I think tomorrow it's the Project 119 passage, so you can just focus in on those verses. Um, But I also put it in your notes. There's a little checklist. So this week, as you're going about your business, keep that checklist in front of you. How does God show up in your life in those ways, through the hungry, through the thirsty, through the lonely, through those imprisoned? How does he show up and reveal himself to you in those ways? If you have a story of that, I won't put you on blast in front of the whole community or in front of the whole church. Just email me or tell a friend, hey, God showed up this week in the most unlikely place. I want to end with this last story. This morning, I'm walking, doing my little um, morning like walk through Prospect Park right up here. And I'm walking through the park, kind of reflecting on this passage and reflecting on what to share this morning, um, kind of going through the notes. And uh, I bump into these three elderly ladies who had just gotten done doing their morning yoga routine. And um, I shared with them uh, a little bit about our community and what we're doing and how God is on on the move here. I also shared with them that there was this eruption of our fire hydrant last night because somebody, as they were, I don't know what happened. Ross, did somebody just drive over it? And, and so Ross was here this morning with like five guys, six guys, and they were cleaning up the parking lot because it was a mess. And I was sharing with these ladies uh, just the beauty of this, and David called me and said, hey, will you get donuts for those guys? So I thought, man, there we go. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat, right? So I bring donut, and I tell these ladies, you know, that that's where I was this morning, and um, the lady looks at me and says, you shouldn't eat donuts. And so I said, no, I, I don't really eat donuts. I, I, I try not to. I don't eat a lot of donuts. And she said, if you don't eat donuts, why would you serve them to somebody else? Come on. And then she says, um, my shoes were untied. And she says, and why aren't your shoes tied? And it's because my, they're a little tight. And, you know, it's, it can be hard to walk in. And so I'm trying to break them in a little bit. And she said, life is too short. Life is too short to be uncomfortable. You need to wear comfortable shoes. So, boom, I get two rebukes in 30 seconds from this woman that I don't know. 
And, you know, at first I was, I was not even close to offended. Um, I walked away, and you know what I said? I was like, Jesus, there you are again. There you are again, in disguise, loving me through this stranger, this person I don't know. And so my prayer for us as a community, today, this week, may you experience the beauty and goodness of God's love erupting in your life, in the subtle, the small, the easily overlooked things and places and people. Amen. Let's pray. God, you love us so much. You love us too much to remain hidden. And yet, there's this mysterious and beautiful hiddenness to you. You reveal yourself in unlikely places, in places that are are even kind of counter to our expectation. And so I pray for my friends, my brothers, and my sisters here this morning. I pray that you would open our eyes this week, open our eyes to see you. God, may you find us faithful. May you find us faithful to the call to respond, to respond in kindness and mercy. Lord, I thank you for uh, just those beautiful souls in this community who've taught so many of us about that slow life, that slow journey with you, the, the journey that takes time to hold the crying baby, the journey that takes time to, to talk with a stranger, the journey that takes time to worship in a car as we wait for the next appointment. This week, Lord, would you continue to open our eyes as a people that we might see you in the subtle and in the small and the beautiful. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.